This is the second part of the presidential debate. Sorry, we had to cut for a little bit for to publish the first part. Here we go. Because I think one of the things we're going to have to do is we're going to have to bail them out too. We should be bailing them out now, those small businesses. We got one in six of them going under. They're not going to be able to make it back. They passed a, a package that allows us to be able to call PPP. Money is supposed to go to help them do everything from organize how they can deal with their businesses being open safely. Schools, how they can make classrooms smaller, how they can hire more teachers, how they can put ventilation systems in. They need the help. Businesses as well as the schools need the help. But this, these guys will not help them. It's not giving them any of the money. We are going to move so on to immigration. But I he said we have to help our small businesses by raising the minimum wage. That's not helping. But I think it should be a state option. Alabama is different than New York. New York is different from Vermont. Every state is different. It should be a state you, option. You said very we have to help. It's very important. We have to help our small businesses. You, you How said, are you helping your small businesses when you're forcing wages? What's going to happen and what's been proven to happen is when you do that, these small businesses fire many of their employees. You said that recently true. you would consider raising yeah, the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. You said recently you would consider raising the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Is that still the case? And I would consider it to an extent. But in what a second I really administration? Like, what I, in a second administration. But not to a level that's going to put all these businesses out of business. It should be a state option. Look, every in different places, I know different places, they're all different. Some places, $15 is not so bad. In other places, other states, $15. Okay, President Trump, thank no, you. Quick no response, Vice President Biden. Two jobs, one job, leaving low poverty. People are making six, seven, eight bucks an hour. These first responders, we all clap for as they come down the street because they've allowed us to make it. What's happening? They deserve a minimum wage of $15. Anything below that puts you below the poverty level. And there is no evidence that when you raise the minimum wage, businesses go out of business. Yeah, it is. simply not true. We're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about immigration. Yeah, it is. People lose hours. People get fired. families within this context. Mr. President, your administration separated children from their parents at the border. At least 4,000 kids. You've since reversed your zero tolerance policy. But the United States can't locate the parents of more than 500 children. So That's what you were talking about yesterday. Children are brought here by coyotes and lots See? of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here and they used to use them to get into our country. We now have as strong a border as we've ever had. We're over 400 miles of brand new wall you see the numbers, and we let people in, but they have to come in legally, and they come in through. But America. how we reunite these kids with their families? They built cages. You know, they used to say, "I built the cages," and then they had a picture in a certain newspaper, and it was a picture of these horrible cages, and they said, "Look at these cages. President Trump built them," and then it was determined they were built in 2014. That was him. Do you they have a plan cages. to reunite the kids? Yes, we're working on it very, we're, we're trying very hard. But a lot of these kids come out without the parents. They come over through cartels and through coyotes and through gangs. Vice President Biden, let me bring you into this conversation. Quick response and then another question to you. These 500 plus kids came with parents. They separated them at the border to make it a disincentive to come to begin with. they real tough. We're really strong. And guess what? They cannot, it's not coyotes didn't bring them over, their parents were with them. They got separated from their parents. And it makes us a laughing stock in 
violates every notion of who we are as a nation. Let me ask you a question. They did it. We changed the policy. Your response they to that? It. We, we changed. did not. They built the cages. They, who built the cages, let's, Joe? Let's talk about what who we're built the cages, about. Joe. Let's talk about what we're talking about. What happened? Who built the cages, Joe? And he doesn't answer. And separate. And now they cannot find over 500 sets of those parents, and those kids are alone. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. It's criminal. It's criminal. Let me ask Chris, you about we'll say this. They went down, we brought reporters, everything. They are so well taken care of. They're in facilities that were so clean. But some They've of them have good... But just ask one question. Who built the cages? I'd love you to ask of that. Who built the cages? Let me ask about your immigration policy. <laughs> they won't even ask that question. That is so unbelievable. Which had been a key promise during the administration. It also presided over record deportations as well as family detentions at the border before changing course. So why should voters trust you with an immigration overhaul now? Because we made a mistake. Made too, it took too long to get it right. It took too long to get it right. 47 years. I'll be president of the United States, not vice president of the United States. And the fact is, I've made it very clear. Within 100 days, I'm going to send to the United States Congress. What's with everybody with 100 days? Within 100 days, I'm doing this. And within 100 days. And all of those so-called dreamers, those DACA kids, they're going to be immediately certified again to be able to stay in this country and put on a path to citizenship. The idea that they are being sent home by this guy and they want to do that is they're going to a country they've never seen before. I can imagine you're five years old, your parents are taking you across the Rio Grande River and it's, and it's, and it's illegal. And you say, oh no, mom, leave me here. I'm not going to go with you. They've been here. Many of them are model citizens. Over 20,000 of them are first responders out there taking care of people during this crisis. We owe them. We owe Trump them. Is like I just tell you, he had eight years to do what he said he was going to do. And I've changed without having a specific, we got rid of catch and release. We got rid of a lot of horrible things that they put in and that they lived with. But he had eight years he was vice president. He did nothing except build cages to keep children in. Vice President, what your response? The catch and release, you know what he's talking about there? If in fact you had a family, came across and they were arrested. They in fact were given a date to show up for their hearing. They were released. And guess what? They showed up for their hearing. Yeah, right. This is the first person okay. in the history of the United States of America that's anybody seeking asylum has to do it in another country. That's never happened before in America. That's never happened before in America. You come to the United States and you make your case that I seek asylum based on the following on the following premise, why I deserve it under American law. They're sitting in squalor on the other side of the river. President Trump, your response so 30 important. seconds. And then we'll it just on. shows that he has no understanding of immigration of the law. <laughs> Catch and release is a disaster. A murderer would come in. A rapist would come in. A very bad person would come in. We would take their name. We have to release them into our country. <laughs> and then you say they come back. Less than 1% of the people come back. We have to send ICE out and Border Patrol out to find them. We would say, come back in two years, three years, we're going to give you a court case. You need Perry Mason. We're going to give you a court case. <laughs> you Mason. say they come back? They don't come back, Joe. Yeah. They never come back. Only the really, I hate to say this, 
but those with the lowest IQ, they won't <laughs> Oh my god. It's true. If you go into a country and they're like, oh yeah, you're not supposed to be here, and then they let you go, and they're like, come back and we're going to deport you. Like, who the hell would go back? In your cages. But not really in cages because they cleaned them up. Our next section, which is race in America. And I want to talk about the way black and brown Americans experience race in this country. Part of that experience is something called the talk. It happens regardless of class and have you heard of this? parents the talk. who feel they have no choice but to prepare their children for the chance that they could be targeted, including by the police, for no reason other than the color of their skin. Mr. Vice President, in the next two minutes, I want you to speak directly to these families. Do you understand why these parents fear for their children? I do. Look straight into the camera, Joe, and look yeah, empathetic. A social worker, and uh, she's all, she's written a lot about this. She's a, has a graduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania in social work. And you know, uh, one of the reasons why I ended up working on the east side of Wilmington, Delaware, which is 90% African American, was to learn more about what was going on. What I didn't, I never had to tell my daughter, if she's pulled over, make sure she puts for a traffic stop. Put both hands on top of the wheel and don't reach for the glove box because someone may shoot you. But a black parent, no matter how wealthy or how poor they are, has to teach their child that you're walking down the street. Don't have a hoodie on when you go across the street. Making sure that you, in fact, if you get pulled over, yes, yes, sir, no, sir, hands on top of the wheel because you are, in fact, a victim, whether you're a person making $300,000 a year person or someone who's on, on, on food stamps. The fact of the matter is, there is institutional racism in America. And we have always said, we've never lived up to it, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women are created equal. Well, guess what? We have never, ever lived up to it. We've always constantly been moving the needle further and further to inclusion not exclusion. This is the first president to come along and says, that's the end of that. We're not going to do that anymore. We have to provide for economic opportunity, better education, better health care, better access to schooling, better access to opportunity to borrow money to start businesses. All the things we can do, and I've laid out a clear plan as to how to do those things, just to give people a shot. It's about accumulating the ability to have wealth as well as it is to be free from violence. President Trump, same question to you, and let me remind you of the question. I would like you to speak directly to these families. Do you understand why these parents fear for their children? Yes, I do. And again, he's been in government 47 years. He never did a thing, except in 1994, when he did such harm to the black community and they were called, and he called them super predators. And he said that, he said it, super predators. And they kept never lived that down. 1994, your crime bill, the super predators. Nobody has done more for the black community than Donald Trump. And if you look, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln, possible exception, but the exception of Abraham Lincoln, nobody has done what I've done. Criminal justice reform. Obama and Joe didn't do it. I don't even think they tried because they had no chance at doing it. They might have wanted to do it, but if you had to see the arms I had to twist to get that done, it was not a pretty picture, and everybody knows it, including some very liberal people that 
cried in my office. They cried in the Oval Office. Two weeks later, they're out saying, gee, we have to defeat him. Criminal justice reform, prison reform, opportunity zones with Tim Scott, a great senator from South Carolina. He came in with this incredible idea for opportunity this zones. This is a much better successful debate. programs. Much People better. People don't talk about it. Tremendous investment is being made. Biggest beneficiary, the black and Hispanic communities, and then historically black colleges and universities. After three years of coming to the office, I love some of those guys, they were great. They came into the office and they said, I said, what are you doing? After three years, I said, why do you keep coming back? Because we have no funding. I said, you don't have to come back every year. We have to come back because President Obama would never give them long-term funding. And I did. 10-year long-term funding and I gave them more money than they asked for because they said, I think you need more. And I said, the only bad part about this is I may never see you again because I got very friendly with them and they like me and I like them. But I saved colleges and universities. Okay, and we're gonna talk about both of your records, but your response to that, Vice President. My response to that is I never ever said what he accused me of saying. The fact of the matter is in 2000 though, after the crime bill had been in, 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 in the law for a while, He's such a this liar. is a guy who said, the problem with the crime bill, there's not enough people in jail. There's not enough people in jail. And go on my website, get the quote, the date, when he said it. Not enough people. He talked about marauding gangs, young gangs, and the people who are going to maraud our cities. This is a guy who in the Central Park Five, five innocent black kids, he continued to push for making sure that they got the death penalty. None of them were, none of them, were guilty of what the crime of the crimes they were suggested. Look and talk about he. Granted, he did in fact let twenty people. He commuted twenty people sentences. We committed over a thousand people sentences. Over a thousand. The very law he's talking about is a law that in fact initiated by Barack Obama. And secondly, we're in a situation here where we, the federal prison system, was reduced by thirty-eight thousand people under our administration. And one of these things we should be doing, there should be no, no minimum ma mandatories in the law. That's why I'm offering $20 billion to states to change their state laws to eliminate minimum mandatories and set up drug courts. No one should be going to jail because they have a drug problem. They should be going to rehabilitation, not to jail. We should fundamentally change the system and that's what I'm gonna do. But why didn't he do it four years ago? Why didn't you do that four years ago, even less than that? Why didn't you I do that? Vice President, you keep talking about all these things you're going to do, and you're going to do this, but you were there just a short time ago, and you guys did nothing. We did. You know, Joe, I, I ran because of you. I ran because of Barack good Obama. Good Because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. Uh, I would have never run. I ran because of you. I'm looking at you now. You're a politician. I ran because of you. All right, Vice President Biden. That's going to be the line of the night. Well, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I hope he does look at me because what's happening here is you know who I am. You know who he is. Yeah, you know you're a liar. Character. You know my character. You know our reputations mm -hmm. for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am character of the country is on the ballot. Our characters on the ballot. Look at us closely. Let me ask some questions. Please respond if to this. This stuff is true about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq. If this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. 
They're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody's calling you a corrupt I want to stay on the issue of race. We're talking about the issue. President Trump, we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay Why do they keep interrupting? I have to respond to that. He gets to respond, but Trump gets... National intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly it. what is this That's exactly going? what this is going. Where he's going. The laptop <laughs> right. is Russia, yeah. Russia, Russia. I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President, again with Russia. We're going to continue Boy, on the issue of race. Mr. President, you've that. described the Black Lives Matter movement as a symbol of hate. You've shared a video of a man chanting white power to millions of your supporters. You've said that black professional athletes exercising their First Amendment rights should be fired. What do you say to Americans who say that kind of language from a president is contributing to a climate of hate and racial strife? Well, you have to understand, the first time I ever heard of Black Lives Matter, they were chanting pigs in a blanket, talking about police. Pigs, pigs, talking about our police. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. I said, that's a horrible thing. And they were marching down the street. And that was my first uh, glimpse of Black Lives Matter. I thought it was a terrible thing. As far as uh, my relationships with all people, I think I have great relationships with all people. I am the least racist person in this room. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. I, mean, I don't know what to say. I got criminal justice reform done and prison reform and opportunity zones. I took care of black colleges and universities. I don't know what to say. They can say that anything. could be the line I mean, of the night. But I thought the anything. other one was better. It's a very it makes me sad because I am I, I am the least racist person. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark. But I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. Okay, Vice President Biden, let me ask you very quickly, and then I have a follow-up question for you. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire. Every single one. Started off his campaign. No, I actually think that was Obama. Get rid of those Mexican rapists. He's banned Muslims because they're Muslims. He has moved around and made everything worse across the board. He says to the, about the poor boys, last time we were on stage here, he said, I told him to stand up. <laughs> the poor stand. boys. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about... I think the they're boy. the proud boys, Joe. President Trump, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to respond, and then I have time. You made a reference to Abraham Lincoln. Where did that come in? I mean, you said Abraham Lincoln. Where did that no, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody done what I've done for the black community. And I'm saying, I didn't say I'm Abraham Lincoln. I said <laughs> not since Abraham Lincoln has anybody done what I've done for the black community. Now, you have done nothing other than the crime bill, which put oh God. That tens of thousands of black men mostly in jail. Let me give you a chance to respond within this context. Crime yeah. bills that you supported in the 80s and 90s contributed to the incarceration wow, that's getting good. of thousands of young black Some men who had small amounts of drugs in their possession. They are sons, they are brothers, they are fathers, they are uncles, 
whose families are still to this day, some of them suffering the consequences. So speak to those families. Why should they vote for you? One of the things is that in the 80s, we passed 100%, all 100 senators voted for it, a bill on drugs and how to deal with drugs. It was a mistake. I've been trying to change the sense and particularly the portion on cocaine. That's why I've been arguing that, in fact, we should not send anyone to jail for a pure drug offense. They should be going into treatment across the board. That's what we should be spending money. That's why I set up drug courts, which are never funded by Republican friends. They should not be going to jail for a drug or an alcohol problem. They should be going into treatment, treatment. That's what we've been trying to do. That's what I'm going to get done because I think maybe the American people have now seen that in fact it was, it was 20 years ago. Then those laws we had a long time to do deal with it. But why didn't he get it done? See, it's all talk, no action with these politicians. Why didn't he get it done? That's what I'm going to do when I become president. You were vice president along with Obama as your president, your leader, for eight years. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years to get it done. Now you're saying you're going to get it done because you're all talk and no action. Jim. We got a lot of it done. We released 38,000. We got 38,000 prisoners left from. You got out. nothing done. 38,000 prisoners were released from federal prison. We have there were over a thousand people who were given clemency. We have, in fact, we're the ones that put in the legislation saying we could look at pattern and practice of police departments and what they were doing, how they were conducting themselves. I could go on. But we began the process. We began the process. We lost an election. That's why I'm running to win back that election and change his terrible policy. But I just asked just just one question. Why didn't you do it in the eight years, a short time ago? Why didn't you do it? You just said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. You <laughs> thousands of mostly black young men in prison. Now you're saying you're going to, get, you're going to undo that. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years with Obama. You know why, Joe? Because you're all talk and no action. All right, Vice President Biden. That will be a line, too, I think. In a Republican Congress. Chance. Wait, you got to talk them into it, Joe. All right. You got to talk them into it. Like I did with criminal justice reform. I had to talk Democrats into it. Gentlemen, we're running out of time, so we got to get on to climate change, please. Trump you both have that. very different visions on climate change. President Trump, you say that environmental regulations have... I hope this is almost over. Joe is like, oh my God, I hope it's over. ...addressing climate change as an opportunity to create new jobs. For each of you, how would you both combat climate change and support job growth at the same time, starting with you, President Trump? You have two I think Trump is killing it. So, uh, we have the Trillion Trees program. We have so many different programs. I do love the environment, but what I want is the cleanest crystal clear water, the cleanest air. We have the best, lowest number in carbon emissions, which is a big standard that I notice Obama goes with all the time. Not Joe, I haven't heard Joe use the term because I'm not sure he knows what it represents or means, but I have heard Obama use it. And we have the best <laughs> carbon emission numbers that we've had in 35 years under this administration. We are working so well with industry, but here's what we can't do. Look at China, how filthy it is. Look at Russia. Look at India. It's filthy. The, the air is filthy. The Paris Accord, I took us out because we were going to have to spend 
trillions of dollars, and we were treated very unfairly. When they put us in there, they did us a great disservice. They were gonna take away our businesses. I will not sacrifice tens of millions of jobs, thousands and thousands of companies because of the Paris Accord. It was so unfair. China doesn't kick in until 2030. Russia goes back to a low standard, and we kicked in right away. It would have been, it would have been, it would have destroyed our business. Yeah, what's the so, point of that? You ready? We have done an incredible job environmentally. We have the cleanest air, the cleanest water, and the best carbon emission standards that we've seen in many, many years. Yes, other countries have to get to our level before we change up how we should do it. Like, why should we have to switch up, <laughs> switch up our ways of life when other countries are creating way more filth than us and they don't have to stop? It makes no sense. We're going to pass the point of no return within the next eight to ten years. Former years of this man eliminating all the regulations that were put in by us to clean up the climate, to clean up, to limit the limited uh, emissions fresh. will put us in a position where we're going to be in real trouble. Here's where we have a great opportunity. I was able to get both all the environmental organizations as well as labor, people worried about jobs, to what about that support little girl? my climate. Did you get plan. her on the Because what it does will create millions of new good paying jobs. Something. We're going to invest in, for example, 50,000 charging stations on our highways Not so that we can own the electric car market in the future. In the meantime, China is doing that. We're going to be in a position where we're going to see to it that we're going to take four million existing billion. Oh, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Greta Thunberg. Yeah, he probably got her on his, like, little, like, gang of environmentalists. Like, we need to get her, along with AOC and everybody else. What this is all going to do, it's going to create millions of jobs and it's going to clean the environment our health and our jobs are at stake that's what's happening and what right now by the way wall street firms indicated that my plan my my plan will in fact create 18.6 million jobs seven million more than his this is from wall street and i'll create one trillion dollars more in economic growth than his proposal does not on climate just on the economy president trump today came out and said very strongly, $6,500 will be taken away from families under his plan. That his plan is an economic disaster. If you look at what he wants to do, you know, the if you look at his, Wait, his environmental plan. plan, you know who developed it? AOC plus three. They know nothing about the climate. I mean, she's got a good line of stuff, but she knows nothing about the climate. And they're all hopping through hoops for AOC plus three. Look, their real plan costs a hundred trillion dollars. If we had the best year in the history of our country for a hundred years, we would not even come close to a number like that. When he says buildings, they want to take buildings down because they want to make bigger windows into smaller windows. As far as I can <laughs> if you had no window, it would be a lovely thing. This is the craziest plan that anybody has ever seen. And this wasn't done by smart people. This wasn't done by... Anyway, frankly, I don't even know how it could be good politically. They want to spend a hundred trillion dollars. That's their real number. He's trying to say it was six. It's a hundred trillion dollars. They want to knock down buildings and build new buildings with little, tiny, small windows. 
and many other things. Okay. And many other things. Let me have the Vice President on, and we're running out of time, and we have a lot more questions to get to. So let's hear from the Vice President. I have a number more questions. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know where he comes up with these numbers. We have $100 trillion. Give me a break. This plan was, this is planned and endorsed by every major, every major environmental group and every labor group. Labor. Because they know Labor. the future lies. Labor. The future lies must be able to breathe. And they know they're good jobs in getting us there. And by the way, the fastest growing industry in America are is 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 the electric the uh, excuse me, uh, solar energy and wind. He thinks wind causes cancer, windmills. It's the fastest growing jobs and they pay good prevailing wages, 45, 50 bucks an hour. We can grow and we can be cleaner if we go the route I'm proposing. President Trump, me, please respond to that. We are follow. energy independent for the first time. We don't need all of these countries that we had to fight war over because we needed their energy. We are energy independent. I know more about wind than you do. It's extremely <laughs> expensive. It kills all the birds. It's very intermittent. Got a lot of problems. And they happen to make the windmills in both Germany and China. And the fumes coming up, if you're a believer in carbon emission, the fumes coming up to make, make these massive windmills is more than anything that we're talking about with natural gas, which is very clear. One other thing. Find me a solar. I love solar, but solar doesn't quite have it yet. It's not powerful yet to, to really run our big, beautiful factories that we need to compete with the world. So False. it's all a pipe dream. But you know what we'll do? We're going to have the greatest economy in the world, but if you want to kill the economy, get rid of your oil industry. You want, and, and what about fracking? All right, now, let me, let have me, have, let me allow that. Vice President Biden to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. You, you said it on tape. I did <laughs> show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on the website. Yes. The fact of the matter is, it's a flat line. Would you flat. rule out banning fracking? I do rule out banning fracking because the answer we need, we need other industries I don't think to transition what he said. to get to ultimately a complete zero emissions by 2025. What I will do with fracking over time is make sure that we can capture the emissions from the fracking, capture the emissions from gas. We can do that, and we can do that by investing money in doing it. It's a transition to that. I have one more question in this pod. Excuse no, me. He was against fracking. He said it. I will show that to you tomorrow. I am against fracking. Until he got the nomination, went to Pennsylvania, then he said, but you know what, Pennsylvania? He'll be against it very soon because his party is totally against fracking it. Fracking on federal land, I said. No fracking you land or oil on Let federal land. Let me ask this final question in this section. They won't ask the question, final which basically says the answer. are much more likely to live near oil refineries and chemical plants. In Texas, there are families who worry the plants near them are making them sick. Your administration has rolled back regulations on these kinds of facilities. Why should these families give you another four years in office? Uh, the families that we're talking about are employed heavily and they are making a lot of money, more money than they've ever made. If you look at the kind of numbers that we produce for Hispanic, for Black, for Asian, it's nine times greater the percentage gain than it was under in three years, than it was under eight years of the two of them put it nicely. Nine times more. Now, somebody lives, I have not heard the numbers or the statistics that you're saying, 
but they're making a tremendous amount of money economically. We saved it. And I saved it again a number of months ago when oil was crashing because of the pandemic. Okay. We saved it. We got, say what you want about relationship, we got Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Russia to cut back way back. We saved our oil industry, and now it's very vibrant again. Right. And everybody has very inexpensive gasoline. Remember. Vice President Biden, your response, and then we're going to have a final question for both of you. Ooh, final. Those people live on what they call fence lines. He doesn't understand this. They live near chemical plants that, in fact, pollute chemical plants and oil plants and refineries that pollute. I used to live near that when I was growing up in Claymont, Delaware. And all the more oil refineries in Marcus Hook and the Delaware River than there is any place, including in Houston at the time. When my mom get in the car when, when our first frost to drive me to school, turning the windshield open, there'd be oil stuck in the window. That's why so many people in my state were dying and getting cancer. The fact is those frontline communities, it doesn't matter what you're paying them, it matters how you keep them safe. What do you do? And you impose restrictions on the pollutions that the pollutants coming out of those fence line communities. Okay, I have one final question. Would he close down falls, the oil industry? Would you close it down falls, the oil industry? I have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I have a transition. That is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. Here's the deal. What's That's a big statement. That? Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time over time and i'd stop giving to the oil industry i'd stop giving them federal subsidies you won't give federal subsidies to the <laughs> to gas is, excuse me, being to, a little trumpy to, now uh, trump is being a little trumpy wind. but yeah. why are we giving it to oil industry we actually give right. it to solar and wind we have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business that's the biggest statement okay. because basically what he's saying is he is Mr. going President? to destroy the oil industry Will you remember that Texas? Will okay. you remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you 10 seconds to respond Ohio. and then I have to get to the final. That was a big statement. He takes everything out of context. but the point <laughs> You is, said it. We have to move toward a net zero emissions. The first place to do that by the year 2035 is in energy production. By 2050, totally. totally successful as it was prior to the plague coming in from China. Now we're rebuilding it and we're doing record numbers, 11.4 million jobs in a short period of time, etc. But I will tell you, go back. Before the plague came in, just before, I was getting calls from people that were not normally people that would call me. They wanted to get together. We had the best black unemployment numbers in the history of our country. Hispanic, women, Asian, People with diplomas, with no diplomas, MIT graduates, number one in the class, everybody had the best numbers. And you know what? The other side wanted to get together. They wanted to unify. Success is going to bring us together. We are on the road to success. But I'm cutting taxes, and he wants to raise everybody's taxes, and he wants to put new regulations on everything. He will kill it. If he gets in, you will have a depression, the likes of which you've never seen. Your 401ks will go to hell. And it will be a very, very sad day for this country. All right. 
Vice President Biden, same question to you. What will you say during your inaugural address to Americans who did not vote for you? I will say I'm an American president. I represent all of you, whether you voted for me or against me. And I'm going to make sure that you're represented. I'm going to give you hope. We're going to move. We're going to choose science over fiction. We're going to choose hope over fear. We're going to choose to move forward because there are enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make things better. We can grow this economy. We can deal with the systemic racism. At the same time, we can make sure that our economy is being run and moved and motivated by clean energy, creating millions of new jobs. And that's the fact. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to say, as I said at the beginning, what is on the ballot here is the character of this country. Decency, honor, respect, treating people with dignity, making sure that everyone has an even chance. And I'm going to make sure you get that. And you have none of those. The last four years. All right. I want to thank you both for a very robust hour and a half of fantastic debate. Really appreciate it. President Trump, former Vice President Joe Biden, thank you to Belmont University for hosting us tonight. And most importantly, thank you to those watching tonight. Election Day is November 3rd. Don't forget to vote. Thank you, everyone, and have a great night. Thank you. So there you have it. A much more I have to say, that was better than what I thought it was going to be. Obviously, listen to his key advisors here. There was very little interruption. They mostly mostly followed the rules but still focusing in on can some I of the major differences that they have mute this you don't want to talk though right my guest doesn't want to talk so I'm just gonna say a couple blurbs about like what I thought what I thought about the debate look at look at I just don't I just don't get it I just don't get it I don't I don't get it um Uh, obviously, we watched the debate on CNN, and uh, I was a little hesitant to think about somebody having the power to mute people. But I don't know. Watching it, I, I don't. I don't know if they actually had to like use that. I, I don't know if they had to use the mute buttons. I thought that it was a very controlled environment today, and. Um, and uh yeah, I thought that it went I thought that it went really well and I think it's pretty sad that we weren't able to have a second debate. So we had the first debate, then we had two separate town halls for the second debate, <laughs> if you want to call it that. And then we had this third debate, which I don't understand why we couldn't have that second debate. I think that all these debates are pretty important when you're leading up to the presidential election. Uh but with this debate I thought that it was much better controlled. I feel, I think the second debate would have been much, would have been more like this than the first debate. So I think we would have had two really good debates instead of just one. But I still feel that, you know, they should bring on a moderator that's, you know, as in the center as possible. And I think that each side should just have a handful of questions they want to ask the opposite side and same with the and same vice versa and those should be the questions. I don't understand why these moderators get to ask the questions because as you heard in the debate she wouldn't even ask Joe about fracking which 
If they don't even ask, you know the answer. But it would be nice if you would actually hear it because it goes to Joe's integrity and he doesn't have any. And um, and I also think that it's ridiculous that they don't even straight up ask him about the laptop. I mean, there is a physical laptop there, just like there was physical evidence about Hillary Clinton, like physical evidence. And this one, we're happy enough to know that it's not eroded. It's not destroyed. They could actually look in it and see emails and see the corruption. So I don't understand why don't they why don't they do that? Okay, my guest wants to watch the 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 talk about the debate from the CNN people, which I'll say I'm not a huge fan of CNN, but you know, it will do it will do for the time being. And I actually think I actually think Trump won this debate. I think Biden panders. I think he looks old. He sounds old. And you know, for for a president, we need strength and we need somebody that's going to speak the truth and be honest. And I think that that sides with Trump. And this has been episode 55 of Lay VOTP.